Ladies and gentlemen, make out with a decapitated head. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. Do you realize that? The whole world got Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Every week, we break down movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and give you a detailed analysis of a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen that movie, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers. And remember to stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommends, in which each of us suggests something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And remember, you can find all our episodes online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's chosen movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about 300, Rise of an Empire. Sparta will fall. All of Greece will fall. And only stout wooden ships can save them. Wooden ships. And a tidal wave of heroes' blood. So I'm going to start off real quick by apologizing to the listeners. Originally this week, we were supposed to be doing The Grand Budapest Hotel, Wes Anderson's new film. Right. And so we are kind of pinch hitting here with this 300 sequel that has been making quite a bit of money this past weekend. Yeah, the people demanded it. I, I, I blame the people. It, I mean, if, if you did not want to hear us talk about 300, you shouldn't have gone to see that movie this weekend. Exactly. And believe it or not, we did get an email that said, I can't wait for you guys to talk about 300 Rise of an Empire. And so I, a little bit of obligation sort yeah. of kicked in there, too. So we're glad to appease and please those fans right. that have been looking for I fear for those fans are going to be disappointed with us at the end, but I guess we'll save that for later. Uh, before we jump into a lot of movie news, rumors, rumblings for this week, I thought we'd start off the show by um, answering an email from one of our esteemed listeners. Uh, this email comes from Daniel Ford, and Daniel, I don't know where you're from. Uh, I apologize for that. He writes in and says, Hi guys, I've been listening to your movie reviews for a while now, and I really enjoy the banter and up-to-date movie news. I was just a bit surprised when Jim Carrey wasn't mentioned in your Oscar podcast. I thought he pretty much stole the show and was more entertaining than Dory. And he also says he got 22 out of 24 right, as only Woody Allen and Act of Killing didn't win on his prediction list. Wow. So, wow, pretty impressive there, Daniel. 22 out of 24. That's right. You're better um, than us. Maybe you should have your own podcast. Exactly. Uh, you can come <laughs> on here and talk movies with us. How about that, Daniel? But I wanted to get y'all's um, answer to Daniel's question. What did you think of Jim Carrey's little appearance on last week's Oscar ceremony? And, um, yeah, I guess, do you think he stole the show? I do want to say, I, I thought of, after we were done with our podcast, I thought of two things that we did not mention. One was Jim Carrey. I don't know that he stole the show, but it was definitely a very interesting appearance of his. It took a while to sure. like figure out what he was doing, but but it was kind of funny to see him up there. The other is the Bette Midler thing. I don't know how we, I guess we just all blocked it out. Yeah. That was by far the worst <laughs> moment. Not of that show, but in TV history, and uh, I'm—I just—I guess we just couldn't uh, couldn't take the time to talk about that. But gosh, that was that was brutal. But yeah, Jim Carrey was cool. It was cool to see him 
doing something? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what we should do with Jim Carrey, like what we should expect from him in the future. Um, he just has such a strange, strange career, but uh, it was cool to see him out there. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what he said, and I'll have to go back and watch it on YouTube or something, but I remember it was funny, and I laughed. <laughs> and I remember he did a um, he did a Dumb and Dumber reference. Always said, a good way to go. Yeah. Man, I was way off, or something, <laughs> something like that. I don't remember specifically what he was referring to. But, you know, it's, it's always good to see Carrie. That's right. You know, they announce his name, and you're like, oh, man, this guy's still around. I love this guy. But we'll, we will see, you know, if the resurgence of Carrie is something to be reckoned with. We predicted it kind of last year. Failed miserably with <clears throat> the Kick-Ass <laughs> sequel, Kick-Ass 2. Um, although he was pretty enjoyable in that movie. But we'll see this year. I mean, this is the ultimate test. Will this Dumb and Dumber 2 sequel work uh, coming up this Thanksgiving? And that's something that is yet to be determined. But Richard, what did you think of Carrie's appearance? It's, you know, first off, I want to apologize to the listener. I've got, uh, I'm remote, so I've got a weird mic situation going on. So if I sound a little different, I apologize. But uh, I I can't say Carrie stole the show because I forgot about it after three minutes. I don't really remember it at all. I remember him coming out and, and making a joke about, like, you know, how he's never won an Oscar, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, that was funny in 2000, 2000. But now it's 14 years later. I don't know if anyone really gets those references. Like, sure. oh, the Truman Show was so robbed. <laughs> um, but uh, so I don't know. You know, all these guys, you're um, I think in order you go uh, Eddie Murphy and then Jim Carrey and Mike Myers and it's now Sandler's kind of getting it. Um, there's something kind of sad about a comedian that's past their time that was so funny in their time but um, is out of it there's something really that bums me out about it yeah <laughs> no I totally movie. agree yeah Real it's like stuff. an athlete it's like seeing yeah. an athlete playing yeah. for another team wearing a weird jersey and you're just like oh, I remember when like when Patrick Ewing played for the Magic for a year and was wearing like number six you know <laughs> yeah. it's just like this is this is wrong it just feels feels odd it is kind of it's kind of weird to see him out of his place, but yeah. you got to remember the run that Jim Carrey had oh, in the '90s. Yeah, there's totally. probably never been a comedian other than maybe Bill Murray and Chevy Chase in the '70s that completely dominated comedy Eddie. for a decade. Eddie in the '80s and Eddie yeah. Murphy. Yeah, sure, Eddie Murphy. But like, he he cranked out not only memorable comedy performances back mm-hmm. then, but great dramatic performances too. Absolutely. You know that Truman Show and Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Or spectacular mm-hmm. performances, so yeah. Uh, and uh, the majestic is allegedly good. Yeah. I've never seen it, nor nor has anyone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I mean, now I, I mean, look. I'm I was born in 1986. I was eight years old when Ace Ventura came out. Like no one is more in the uh, Jim Carrey wheelhouse than me. No one has enjoyed him in my life, in their life more than I have. I'm sure. But, uh, you know, now it's just uh, Brian, great analogy. The, the broken down Earl Campbell athlete of yeah. the, uh, of the old comedian is really a bummer. We should just execute them when they turn like 38. <laughs> That's, that was a long way of saying that they should all be executed. I think we got what? One good movie in the two thousands from Jim Carrey. It was, uh, eternal sunshine. Yeah. Can you name another one? Great movie. Uh, the number 23. Uh, 23. Come on. Yeah. Brian, you <laughs> Mr. Popper's Penguins is pretty great. Never seen it. 
and neither um, do I. I can't I don't know what, think I don't that, know what that is. Yeah. He was, oh, well, well, he was an Anchorman, too, for a second. That sure. was fun. Bruce Almighty was all right for what it is, I think. It's been a yeah, long time since I've seen it. That's like the last meaningful carry comedy. Yes Man yeah. was, was pretty funny at parts. Never saw it. No, but I'm, I'm not taking it's it away It's basically from. Liar Liar 2. Okay. I'm it's on like, board with that. Oh, instead of telling lies, you're just going to have to say yes to everything instead of <laughs> okay. telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great, appear- very- great appearance on 30 Rock. Yes. Yeah, yeah I love Carrie, guys, and we all love Carrie, and we apologize. Yeah, too, hopefully will be a, a renaissance. I'm I'm cynical, but it might be great. Who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll all be there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm... Apparently, it's very funny. So, I mean, that's all you can ask for. But we uh, apologize to the listeners for not uh, bringing that up, and Bette Midler as well. Ugh. Completely guys- random... You guys are the wind beneath my wings, Scott. Shut up. I think Richard brought up a point during the Oscars that we never mentioned on the Oscar podcast about future American treasurer, Bette Midler. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I, I immediately laughed at it, but I could sense a <laughs> sense of realism. And No, uh, no, I was being sarcastic. Okay, I mean, I, I, I probably hate Bette Midler less than you. I think she has a sense of humor about herself. She fits that qualification. But yeah. uh, I don't think she has any anything that I've ever seen or want to see that was, aside from Hocus Pocus, um, <laughs> that I can't Focus, But I have a feeling like if we met Bette Midler, this seems weird, but like if Bette Midler had us over for lunch, we would really like her. But she's not, we would never want to see anything she's ever done. That, does that, is that fair, Brian? Yeah, 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 I think that's fair. And also, as an actress... I really don't have a problem with her. I just never, ever, ever want to hear Wind's be- Wind Beneath My Wings. <laughs> yeah. Again, ever. Like, one time is more than enough. And to exactly. have that be the backing for this glorious moment where I felt like the the, the uh, In Memoriam section was really good this year. And it's like, hey, here's James freaking Gandolfini and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and now we're going to let Bette Midler score yeah. that. Are you kidding me? Just off. <laughs> Um, well, that that song is is peaking right now. I mean, it's, gosh, yes. it's, it's all over the radio, so they got to capitalize. Like, yeah, next the year, Lila, KVIL really loves that song. Still. Yeah, um, I'm psyched for the Vitamin C graduation song next year during the Oscars. Uh, but the uh, I will say I I don't know if we talked about this last on the Oscar episode, but the uh, I really enjoyed the. Uh, the fact they turn the mics off during the in memoriam, so you don't know who's getting the big claps. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's always a bummer That's to a me. Point. Like, yeah. They turned them off this year and just let you uh, see the people that are dead instead of being like, "Well, this person was more famous." <laughs> uh, that guy was a camera guy. Yeah. I hate that. What That's my dad. Yeah. One more thing I want to mention about the Oscars before we move on. I really appreciated about the ceremony the fact that they didn't play off a lot of the speeches. Yeah. Usually it's five seconds and they're playing music. I feel like they'll actually let people talk this time. And especially at the beginning, Jared Leto and um, Kate Blanchett, a long speech. And, you know, Gravity won, like, cinematography or something, or editing or something. And uh, the assistant editor goes up there and gives the speech. And as soon as Quaron walks to the mic, they play the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even get to say anything about that. but That was a, hey, you're going to be back up here later, buddy. Sure, so maybe so. See you then. Yeah. Absolutely. 
I think they should really up instead of music. They should really up it like a poison dart or the four opens up or something, <laughs> and give them two minutes to be like, "Look, you've got two minutes, but it's not going to be music when that two minutes is up. Like you're going to free fall down onto the stage." <laughs> and then I feel like that's a win-win for everybody. One of those giant hooks, like the Apollo Theater, comes yes. out and pulls yes. you off. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be that would up the show. entertainment value of the show. I agree. Let's uh, talk a little bit of. Movie news. Movie news. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Man, such a big story broke since last time we've been able to talk movie news. I know we've been a couple weeks removed here uh, since we've been celebrating the awards season and everything. But a big story that's relevant to our podcast broke. Uh, The first official casting announcement has been made for Star Wars Episode Seven. And the casting decision has been made for the main villain, I believe it is, of the movie. Uh, It is Adam Driver, star of HBO's Girls, and the movie last year that we all liked, his performance in, Inside Lewin Davis. I was really hoping they were going to choose Zosha Mamet for uh, this role, but oh well. It's another another girl's joke? It's a girl's joke. (laughs) Okay, well I haven't seen Girls, so that explains the silence there. Yeah. I'm sure it's funny, in, though, Richard. Go back in and add people laughing to that can't, in post-production. <laughs> I'll add crickets. Don't worry. But it, it's – he's got the look for it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. He's awesome. Just trust. Have you seen Girls, Richard? What are your yeah. thoughts on this? I've seen every – I haven't seen the new season of Girls, but I've seen season one and two. He's my favorite character. I love Girls. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I mean, I there's a lot of stuff. great, yeah. I've, there's a lot of stuff I hate about it, but – um, his character, I, the, the ironically for a show called Girls, um, and this might just be my perspective as a male, but the um, male characters are awesome and they're really um, accurate and f- funny to me. I like how she writes male characters um, and him being the leading one. His character on that show is absolutely hysterical. I, you should so find he's a YouTube funny too. character. That's what I was wondering. Do you think he's, this guy is pull darkly a villain? funny? Dark. Okay. Yeah, he's funny because. Um, um, the juxtaposition of these very superficial um, kind of uh, artistic intelligentsia girls of Brooklyn, right? And then uh, this really intense, uh, like philosophical male character that he plays. The humor comes from him. He's not necessarily funny. The humor comes with how intense he is uh, compared to them. And so I think his intensity in a Star Wars movie will seem normal. That makes sense. Right. He beat out a lot of names for this. Apparently, it was between him, Michael Fassbender, and Hugo Weaving for the main villain role here. So, obviously, an up and comer. It'll be interesting to see how well you know he comes out of this movie. If this you know invigorates his career, or if this is just a you're always going to be the villain from Star Wars, and that's what people are going to know you by, you know, type thing. But. As far as like the news itself when it broke, I was actually really, really excited <laughs> because I could see the potential of what um, Abrams and the producers see here. But Brian, what are your thoughts on you – know, I mean you're a huge Star Wars guy, probably bigger than Richard and I combined. So uh, this is <laughs> yeah. big news. What do you think? I, I, I mean I'm fine with it. I just don't have anything to go off of because I've only watched Girls once or twice and I, I can't – I just can't do it. Um and then, so really, the only thing I have to base it off of is his five-minute 
spot in inside Lewin Davis, which is great, but it's, you know, I mean, that's five minutes to go off of. So I don't, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, just cause I don't have anything to, to base it off of. If that makes sense. Fastbender right. would have been really cool. I'm kind of done with Hugo weaving. So I'm, I don't feel like that's a necessarily a big loss. Uh, but I, I mean, I trust JJ Abrams quite a bit. So uh, if he thinks this is the right way to go, then I'm, I'm happy with it. I just hope at some point in the script, he gets to say, uh-oh, really loud like he does in, uh, on that <laughs> really strange space. song. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, I'm sure it'll be totally fine. I just, uh, I don't really have anything to, to base my opinion off of with him. Yeah, and there's been other rumors, you know, about other characters, but that's, this is the only one that is confirmed at this point. So it's the only one we can really discuss at this point. Uh, mm. But there is uh, casting rumors that have been announced, I think – that have been announced, uh, confirmed, for a new Marvel movie. It is Fox's Fantastic Four reboot. And this is going to be directed by Josh Trank, who brought yeah. us Chronicle back in uh, 2012, I believe it was, this time, around this time, March 2012. And I, it really impressed me with the gritty found footage style of, of Chronicle. I thought it was a really fresh take on, on superhero movies. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the best use of found footage ever, honestly. At least as far as the thriller type movie goes. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I'm a little surprised we haven't gotten a reboot, I mean a sequel to Chronicle yet. Mm. Because, you know, that would be awesome. But the uh, casting for the new Fantastic Four reboot has pretty much been confirmed. I don't know if if it's official, official, but I mean, it's on IMDb, so I f- assume that's quite official. Mm-hmm. If we remember the last Fantastic Four movie, it's it terrible. Jessica Alba, mm. Chris Evans, uh, Michael Chiklis, <laughs> yep. who was, you know, pretty popular at the time, but in, in hindsight, you're like, what the heck was going on there? And uh, who else? Who was the other guy? Who was Mr. Fantastic? What that was Ian, Ian Gruff, Gruffled. Yeah, I don't know his name. How great is that that we don't know who they that played that part? That's like a huge part of the yeah. universe. It's, and it's true. like, yeah, we'll just get some guy. Yeah, yeah, Ian. I don't know how to say it, guys. Honestly, Ian Grufford is what I'm going with. Okay, he also well, his plays career, his the, career uh, obviously took off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's in. Have you guys seen uh, Horrible Bosses? I have, but. I vaguely remember he, it because I well, didn't watch like that much. He's listed, so maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. All right, just nix that. Never mind. So the new Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, is uh, going to be played by our favorite, Miles Teller, <laughs> of The Spectacular Now, and uh, the great film, That Awkward Moment, that came out a few <laughs> weeks ago. Um, so Johnny Storm, previously played by Chris Evans, who is now... Captain America uh, will be played by Michael B. Jordan. Boom. Awesome. Which is a great casting decision, I think. And he was, he was great in Chronicle. Yeah. So there's obviously a chemistry there between Trank and Michael B. Jordan. He's a, he's a, he's like the new Will Smith to me. He's a powerhouse. This guy is a powerhouse. That guy is a major player. He, people in five years, he will be one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Oh Yeah. Like he got a big campaign this year for people that thought he should have been nominated for Fruitvale Station. Yeah. But that's another conversation. 
So we have Miles Teller as Mr. Fantastic, Michael B. Jordan as the Human Torch, mm-hmm. playing the, the role of the Michael Chiklis um, helmed Ben Grimm slash The Thing. This is kind of a weird choice for this totally. character, specifically for me. Um, Jamie Bell, who was in The Adventures of Tintin, which is a yeah. CGI movie, but he was also in King Kong. Billy uh, Elliot. Billy Elliot. Yeah. He is... He jumper. A, Don't forget Jumper. Mm. Oh, I, just, I apologize. I forgot <laughs> about Jumper, guys. The what Hayden Christensen sense. masterpiece? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of all of the ones he has. And, yeah, Jamie Bell, I enjoy him a lot. But it's just weird to think that he would play the thing slash Ben Grimm, you know? Yeah. He doesn't really embody that prototypical, that's what you think of when you think of the thing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. Hey, and you're forgetting Kate Mara. I am haven't got there yet, Brian. Well, way to get spoil there. it. Way to spoil it. Kate Mara is playing the Jessica Alba role of the Invisible Woman. Mm. Kate Mara, sister of Rooney Mara, older sister, and um, star of the great Netflix series House of Cards, mm. which if you haven't gotten caught up uh, on season two yet, holy moly! Yep, that's a different podcast, but. Wow, Kate Mara is, is spectacular. I think this is going to be this is a great you know group of four actors here. Yeah, and so it's very very exciting for me at least that maybe maybe they can do this series justice. Like if you freaking Fantastic Four is like bigger than the Avengers or was you know comic books wise probably. Sure, this was this yeah. just shouldn't there shouldn't be an excuse for the. The Silver Surfer movie that came out, and you know, mm-hmm. oh, I don't just don't understand sometimes movies that get made. Um, but on that note, you guys want to move on and talk about three hundred? Nope. I I guess we have to. <laughs> hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. 
Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Here we go. Let's talk about Rise of an Empire. If death comes for me today, I'm ready. Steady your hearts. Look deep into your souls. Bring your glory! So, Brian, mm. you were the first of us to see this movie, I believe. Ugh, yeah, it was your was. idea to do this podcast. You saw <laughs> yeah, it and you were like, yeah. guys. Yeah, blame it on me. Sure, yeah. Total game changer is what you said. <laughs> but, You're like... It's hard to believe it could be this awesome without Zack Snyder, my favorite director. Wasn't <laughs> that, that what he said? That's what he yeah, said, right? That, that, that does sound like me. Um, I believe my exact words were, "Well, a bunch of idiots went to see this movie, so I guess we should have to, we have to record about it now." So, we didn't hear ourselves to the audience. I know. <laughs> so, what about it? Did you find so terrible, Brian? Mostly that it exists. Um, look, I. I went back. I watched 300 today because I haven't seen it in. I think I've seen it once since the theaters, so it's probably been four or five years since I've watched it. Um, and I, you know what? It's that's a fine movie. Um, I don't think that it has aged particularly well, but it's it's fine. It's it stands up. It's it's a fine movie. Um, this sequel. It just doesn't – it serves no purpose. And I know we say that a lot about these sorts of sequels. Um, it's not a, It's not really a franchise. It's just a – it's a cash grab, which, I mean, most sequels turn out to be. And it works, so I guess kudos to them. I, I really was shocked. I don't know about you guys. I did not expect this thing to do well at all. I really genuinely thought it was going to tank. I think the studio thought it was going to tank because they pushed it back multiple times and then just kind of dumped it. Um, I was, I was really surprised when, when we found out how well it was doing financially, um, and how many people, like, there's this huge audience of 300 lovers who, who have got to, just had to get out and see this movie. I didn't expect that. It caught me off guard. Um, and I, I, I wish in some ways we, we could get somebody on who was like excited about this movie to talk about it because I, I, I want to know. What about the trailers <laughs> sold them on this property? Um, but for me, this was a, a cash grab. It was lazy. It is just something that I didn't, I don't know. I don't see a purpose for it to exist. And, and most of the time, there are a few moments that, that work, but without going too far into specifics just yet, most of the time it felt like a cheap knockoff of 300. Sure. Yeah, I can't. Can't argue with that notion. The only argument I would make as far as a throwaway is I consider the movie that came out last year or two years ago maybe called Immortals. Yeah. Remember that? That's yeah. what this felt like. Um, the Immortals movie was definitely a throwaway because, you know, they, they did like from the producers of 300 and yeah. the writers of 300 comes a movie that's – not a sequel to 300, but it's kind of a sequel to 300. Right. You know, it, it, that one was a throwaway to me. This one was the inevitable sequel, I guess. It somehow had Gerard Butler in it, but, <laughs> but didn't have Gerard Butler in it. 
which was confusing. And there are aspects of this that I enjoyed personally on a purely like visceral level. Like if you completely remove the entire storyline slash dialogue slash characters, <laughs> cut out these action scenes and throw them, you know, put them on YouTube individually, I'd probably watch those YouTube videos. But this doesn't work as a story or an interesting film to me. It's just the dialogue, like when there's not action in this movie, it's deathly boring. Yes. This movie ranges from some of the best or not best, but some very impressive action sequences to just absolutely like we'll make you fall asleep um dialogue scenes that are just they go on far too long. They speak in a heavy-handed type language that it's too hard to understand all the names and everything and yes. make connections with characters. It's just I don't know like this you gotta you gotta kind of look at this movie from the the context that it's in. First of all, it's a comic book movie, and second of all, it's I don't know if this movie tries to be anything more than exactly what it is, which is a bloodbath, you know. And so that's that's the the scale I'm judging it on, kind of. And for that scale, I say maybe mission accomplished here. And um, it's not a good movie. Don't get me wrong. But as far as a purely popcorn, like, I want to see guys get their heads cut off type of movie, um, there are a lot of ways in this which you can make an argument for that this being a success. I, and so, I'll, Richard, I want to let you jump in in a second. But I, I will agree with you there, Kent, as far as the action sequences go. But the, the narrative structure and the dialogue – are not do not fit that mentality at all. Like there's a honestly there's a certain level of of pretentiousness to the dialogue right. and and the way that they structured the movie like it cuz I can totally get on board with a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. I talk about Battleship all the time and this will be the last time I'll I'll, I'll find a new example soon but Battleship to me is like it's not a good movie it knows it's not a good movie but it's just there to have fun and it and it it almost tongue in cheek has fun with itself. Um, and this, I think 300, like you're right in the action sequences. I think it, there's an aspect of that at play, but then it follows it up with 15 minutes of dialogue yeah. that makes you, I mean, it's like, it thinks that it is some sort of epic award winning film, you know, like something that's important to society. Um, and that drove me, that drove me crazy. In, in addition to boring me half to, to sleep. To be honest, like for me, at least I felt like the directors and producers felt this way. They had to give us that boring, crappy dialogue. Like you could, you know, that all they wanted to do was do action scenes this entire movie. But like you get the people that are like, that was nothing but action scenes the entire time. So it was, it was almost like they, they put in this crappy, heavy handed dialogue out of obligation rather than. It's what the movie called for at that particular time. Like, they they should have honestly just made this movie like one uh, one giant scene of one giant battle. You know, that should have been the movie or something. They shouldn't have tried to make connections to the older 300 like they were de Ugh. so desperately attempting Ugh. in most of this stuff. And there's too many... 
the, some of the armies look too similar to me. I couldn't tell oh, who gosh, was on what yeah. side for half the time. Um, but like I said, like there, there are parts of this, like especially the opening battle sequence, there were parts of it where I was like, wow, that was freaking awesome. What I just saw. And, and there are, there are moments of it where it proves to me and other direct action directors that you can do an action sequence in the dark and in the rain and have it be watchable. You know, like it, you, shaky cam is not always the answer. And uh, there's a great deal of style exercised here, which is all I really appreciated out of the original 300. You know, I don't I don't go back and and, and uh, commentate on the original 300 and remember it like, man, that, you know, that emotional scene between Leonidas and blah, blah, blah was that really got me. You know, I, I think about the this is Sparta and kicking the guy down the hole and, you know, the whole the um just basically the action like these are action movies and uh it is unfortunate brian i agree with you that they that they went that route with you know over half the movie is just pointless dialogue but uh richard i guess we've been talking for like 80 hours so what did you think of this movie no no problem uh i you know uh (laughs) I think what was the movie you guys talked about that came out last year? Immortals. Yeah, it felt like an immortal sequel to me, um, as opposed to three hundred sequel. I I have very fun memories of seeing three hundred was the first movie I think I saw in IMAX that wasn't like Fantasia when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and so I have really fun memories of it as at least a visceral experience. The fi- some of the fight scenes in this were great. Um, I made it longer in this than you would think. Um, stuck around for nearly the whole thing, I think, um, which for me is pretty strong. Uh, th- there's there's some really cool. Uh, the cinematography is really pretty neat in the battle. Uh, Kent, like you said, I really appreciated the fact that they pulled back and didn't just shaky cam things. Yeah, um, I like that. But yeah, I mean, this was just like a fifth grade Greek project in terms of like the script. Eva Green was uh, beautiful, and. Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, what a throwaway, right? What a March movie. I, I don't uh, – you know what was worse than this last March? Uh, that Oz movie. Yeah. So take that. <laughs> and G.I. Joe. And so that's a, a decent start to the season I guess. But uh, but nothing really worth like – I mean obviously we're doing a podcast so you have to discuss it. But uh, it will be interesting. I, I actually would watch more movies from this director though. Um, I think – What else has he done? I, didn't, I, didn't I don't know. know. Given some the source. He's only material. done one movie. Smart, uh, smart people. Two thousand eight. Dennis Quaid. Ellen Page. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was like a independent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. It's a strange transition. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, other than that, uh, I, I, he's definitely somebody I, I don't mind look, keeping an eye out for. But uh, the mo- the movie itself was a, a pretty big miss. Now, how would we feel about this movie? Say, if Jared Butler was in it. And this was starring Leonidas himself. You know, does would that work? Like, was it just missing something, or was it just, um, you know, did it just completely miss the mark? Like, it, it just didn't f- feel like it had any star power. Really, the main I couldn't tell really who to root for the entire time. It made it way too late, too. Like, three hundred. Yeah, three hundred was in two thousand and seven or something. Yeah, it was it like had seven to, years later. Had a lot of momentum at the time. You think you could? Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, and if you're not going to rush it out, make sure it's good. 
I mean, mm. if this came out two years later, we could always be like, man, well, it was rushed out, you know. This might maybe the best they could do with the amount of time they had. But this has been seven years, guys. You've, yeah. you've got to think of something a little bit better than what well, you did. Well, but the studio clearly had no faith in it because it's been bumped multiple times, and then they just kind of dropped it here. The budget is only $110 million, but I feel like I remember reading stories about that it had gone way over at some point. So I don't know that that's, that's accurate. I don't know. Like, this is just, how bad do the, how bad do the Pompeii people feel right now? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess we can say that about this movie. It's not Pompeii. So there's that. Um, but when you close your eyes <laughs> and the walls kept, all right. <laughs> but I mean, this movie belongs in the conversation with, like I said, Immortals, you know, yeah, Wrath of the Titans, mm. you know, the, all the movies that 300 unfortunately brought us um, in its wake. But, you know, there's not much memorable about this. I mean, it's obvious that it's going to get another movie. There's going to be a third one. Oh, yeah. Uh, because of the way much. they set it up at the end. When, uh, spoiler alert, Xerxes doesn't die and he's gathering his army just as, um, oh, I didn't even think about that, Kent. Now I hate this even more. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised when it ended when it did. It just sort of ended <sighs> randomly and the credits came up. I, I thought there was one last battle to be had, but, uh, you know, they're saving that, obviously, for the sequel. It has made money. Uh, you say the budget was $100 million, Brian. It's made yeah. over 140 at this yeah. point worldwide in one Close weekend. enough, yeah. So, you know, pretty unfortunate that we'll probably be doing another 300 podcast in well, the next and, it, years. and it sets the it sets the table poorly too because that like this is a bad standard right like this movie the first movie came out seven years ago this one's not very good but it made a lot of money so what what other movies can we expect to be uh, to get the same service with it with a sequel that we don't need that nobody's dying to to see you know what i mean like that's, sure. that's not a great and i I was thinking about I think 300 like if we could erase 300 from from the uh, record book we'd probably all be in a better place right like Zack Snyder doesn't direct Man of Steel we don't have 17 Gerard Butler romantic comedies um, I mean the only thing that 300 gave us is Lena Headey in uh, in Game of Thrones so could yep. we could, could we go back to 2007 and make this not happen at all? I'd be willing to do that if if we could get the uh, technology up to par. But no, I think this just it's a bad standard for for lazy, sloppy filmmaking, right? Like it's just going to breed more films like this. I think you're forgetting about Meet the Spartans. <laughs> oh gosh, that was a classic work of Carmen <laughs> Electrio. <laughs> I can't believe somebody's like, man, we need to do a 300 spoof because that movie was so big. Like it was, I mean, it was huge. I get that, but I don't remember yeah. it being that big at the time though. I remember it no. being like a surprise hit. It was because nobody really hit, knew. It Gerard made Butler. a ton of money. Did let it? me, let me pull it up. Uh, four fifty five worldwide. Wow. wow. So, I didn't realize it was as big as it was. I feel like it was just more of a sleeper hit than a mainstream hit, but that's impressive. Yeah. Really impressive. But there is an aspect of this movie that – I don't know if you saw it in 3D, but I had no choice oh, but to see I it did. in 3D. I, um, I saw it this morning. I was the only person in my theater <laughs> at 10 a.m. It was an XD, like IMAX theater, Ugh. 
over a thousand a seats, I think, and I was the the one person in there. Apparently, apparently, people don't want to see three hundred Rise of an Empire at ten in the morning on a weekday, but <laughs> I did, and it was cool. But there was an aspect of it that really bothered me. Uh, it was very dusty. Yes. Did you notice that, Brian? Like it, in, in I, every single scene, there was like dust floating around people's heads. And in 3D, that was the most distracting thing possible. I could not I, stop staring at the dust the entire time. And it's clearly like a like a method to say, oh, we're not on a green screen. We're on a we're in a real place in the you know, in ancient Greece. But when it's every single scene, it's just completely, completely distracting. And I just I, didn't see a point in it. Yeah, I I really disliked. I, you guys kind of praised the the look of the action scenes and stuff, and I I had to see it in 3D. I didn't have a choice because I had like a two hour window in which I had to find a showtime, and that yeah. that's all that I could do. And I hate 3D, so I, I'm I, I shouldn't have seen it, but um, I I thought it looked horrible. And a lot of times that could be completely on the projector because some 3D projectors are not very good and it just makes it look incredibly dark um, and disjointed. But that's, that's what I got from most of the, for most of the cinematography, most of the, the action sequences to me were, uh, did not look very good. And I'm, like I said, I'm willing to put that on the, on the theater, given that the, the 3d transition and stuff, I know a lot of times that results in a dark look, but uh, no, man. I agree. It's a very hazy movie. Yeah. It's very, very like gray a lot and you know it didn't it doesn't work really it did the the look it's just it just feels so cheap and fake to me it didn't it didn't have the like charming aesthetic that the original 300 had you know mm-hmm. the visual aesthetic really i mean it attempts it but it doesn't really work i there's one more thing i liked i like the scene with the the ships and like the oil does that make sense? Where yeah. They, the oil was in the ground and then they light the oil on fire. I thought that was pretty pretty well done. There 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 were a lot of like little very small moments that I enjoyed. Like two second clips of this movie <laughs> that I was like, "Whoa, that was sure. that was cool, you know." <laughs> but overall, it's just it's discouraging. It is. Because, you know, it's inevitable that it's like I said there's going to be a sequel and um the fact that this made money means that this style of movie can make money, which mm-hmm. means we'll get probably another franchise um, that's similar to this, like The Immortals was. Ugh. But, ugh, man, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. When are we getting the Troy sequel? When does that happen? <laughs> well, it came out, what, in 2003? So probably yeah. the next yeah. four or five years we'll get that. All right, that. sweet. Yeah. Finally. That Jeez. movie didn't didn't do well at all, did it? No, it didn't. It yeah. didn't. All I remember about that movie was the trailer and the one like wide shot of all the ships you know, yeah. all the Trojan ships. That's right. all I remember about that. <laughs> I just remember it opens on, pretty much opens on Brad Pitt, right? And you just look at Brad Pitt and he kind of looks into the camera and he, it just has this look on his face like, look, sometimes you just got to make money. Like, I don't even know I'm why Brad I'm here. Pitt, it's yeah. just, I'm just getting paid a lot to do this. So, ugh. Crazy. I, I, I really didn't like this, guys. This was not, this was not a good movie. And I hated, spoiler alert, I thought the dumbest part of the whole thing was, uh, so they're, you know, they're going in for their final battle and they've only got like eight ships or whatever. And he, uh, the, I don't even know how, what's the main character? What's his name? The starts the with an M. I don't yeah, know. The Mostocles or something like that. Um, makes this big deal about, no, you know, that's a defensive end for the, for South Carolina. <laughs> 
He makes a big deal about he's got this secret plan, and then the secret plan turns out to be a horse. Like, that's his whole plan, is he has a horse on the open seas. So, right. great, you have one horse to ride around, to, to fly around on on all these sinking shit. I don't know. That was, I kind of, yeah. I, I rolled my eyes and gave the, like, uh, heavy sigh bit when that when that happened. It's just like, this is dumb. This is really dumb. Yeah, and th- the shooting arrows at people that, while they're swimming, found quite funny yeah. too like that's yeah. gonna do much that's a classic that's a, yeah. that's a classic uh but guys time has come uh what is your grade for 300 rise of an empire brian gill d hated it richard barden c minus cool i'm gonna go c minus as well like i said um not as bad as it could have been but definitely not good I mean, that's the best I can say about it. I would probably watch it if it was on, like, I don't know. What what channels? Spike TV. Spike <laughs> TV is going to have the rights to this. That's inevitable at this <laughs> yeah. point. And, you know, I, I would if it, I would flip to it probably just to see Ugh. a couple of the decapitations. And they're, they're lo- this is so grisly. The violence in this movie is so over the top. It's, it's humorous almost. It's Django Unchained, last scene in Django Unchained. <laughs> where, okay, bring in 19 gallons of blood for this one, you know, one slice of a sword. It was it was quite ridiculous, the amount of blood in this movie. But I found it funny. I couldn't take it serious. Uh, but guys, let's move on. And let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. All right. Brian Gill, Weekly recommend. Yeah, I, I haven't been watching too much lately because I've just been plowing through 24 and uh, and then our, what we're going to talk about on our next episode. So, uh, But I read a great article today that I wanted to share with you guys. It's from Grantland, um, and it's called The the Epic Kansas Basketball Rivalry That Wasn't. Uh, it's by Jordan Kahn, and it is about the lack of a rivalry between Kansas Jayhawks and Wichita State Shockers. Um, and how like they don't ever play each other despite the fact that they're in the same state and they're both like at this point they're both basketball powerhouses and stuff um, there's a lot of politics involved with it it's there's a lot of kind of bad blood between the two schools and it's very interesting um, that he kind of traces back the history of Wichita, Wichita State school as, as a whole and their their basketball program and um, and there's actually, a bill, I guess, in the House, in the state Senate, I think, uh, that they're considering pushing forward that would require these two teams to play each other every year. Um, it's it's really interesting, and uh, I got a I got a kick out of it. And I think you guys would enjoy reading it as well. So uh, check out Grantland and uh, the the epic Kansas basketball rivalry that wasn't. Sweet, Brian and Richard, uh, early March Madness predictions. Any thoughts? Uh- I'm gonna ride with Florida. Florida. Um, man, yeah, Florida's Florida's gonna be interesting. Um, I don't think there's a def. I, I don't think there's should there's really an, an overwhelming favorite this year because Florida chokes a lot. So that um, I'm not certain about them, but it's kind of a down year as far as really good teams are concerned. So I don't know. Florida's probably the the safest bet. It's, I'm just glad it's not Kentucky, right? Like they're it's the year of Joaquin done. Noah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's just gonna annoy from the stands. 
Uh, we're gonna have to see him in the, the final arts. Cool. Uh, you guys gonna go to the final four? It's here in Dallas. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm working it. I, I always wait to see who's playing because if it's like, if it's two teams, if it's four teams, I hate. I don't want to be there, even for the spectacle. If Duke makes it, I will do my best to be there. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Richard and I and Brian, you're invited as well, of course. Are gonna go check out uh, Springsteen's playing a free show down here in downtown Dallas. Oh yeah, um, the weekend of that, and that's gonna be quite crazy, I'm assuming. So, so we'll be sure and and report to the podcast how that how that goes. Yeah, well, I saw a guy sing "Born to Run" at a uh, a small <laughs> church school's talent show this weekend. So I'm, I'm good. That's. That's I love how everyone thinks they can be Springsteen just because he's got like a raspy, like not like a soprano type voice or, it's or whatever. It's really hard to sing though. His yeah. songs are really hard to sing. Yeah, they are. That's uh, it's very guys. deceptively hard to sing his songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, Richard, Rick, recommend? Yeah, I went and saw a movie uh, up in Plano this week. I actually have a movie in the theater, guys. You probably what? Um, I went and saw Tim's Vermeer. Oh yeah, cool. Which is uh, the new uh, it's a movie by Teller of. Pen and Tower fame, um, and uh, and it's about a, a guy who, without spoiling too anything too much, uh, you should check out the trailer online. It's starting to play pretty much everywhere now, but uh, who basically figured out that Vermeer was not really so much a great artist as he was a great kind of inventor, and uh, through a bunch of lenses and stuff, uh, he's able to recreate. You know, Vermeer's this Dutch master who's who's noted for his uses of light and his incredibly realistic paintings. And this guy who has no painting background basically uh, recreates a device that he thinks Vermeer used and, and essentially recreates a perfect Vermeer painting. So uh, wow. really fun little documentary, and uh, I couldn't I, – I loved it. If we did, were doing it on the podcast, I'd give it an A+. Plus. So Sweet. Favorite movie of the year so far. Now my only question is how did Teller direct a movie without speaking? <laughs> Great point. <laughs> the funniest part is that Penn shows up for really no reason. Um, I think basically just to talk. And uh, he produced the movie too. But yeah, Teller is actually doing press right now for the movie and he talks. So and weird. It's, it's really weird because it's like 35 years of not talking. Yeah, incredible. I love Teller. I want to give t- Penn and Teller props for keeping their bit up for so long. Wow. <laughs> love those yeah. guys. And you're welcome to come on the podcast. Uh, anytime, because I know they are avid listeners. So <laughs> give me a shout, uh, Penn Gillette, uh, by email. Um, I'm going to give a recommend to a documentary, too, as well, Richard. Okay. Uh, this one I caught on Netflix this past week. Apparently, it's been on there for a while. Uh, I had mentioned it to a couple friends this past weekend, and they were like, oh, yeah, I, I've seen that. Uh, I wasn't aware of it at all until I just found it while I was browsing. It is called uh, The Elephant in the Living Room. Um, It is about people who get exotic animals as pets, (laughs) and it is as crazy as it sounds. Uh, It goes, you know, it follows around this guy who is a animal kind of of an animal control guy. Who's he? He's from Dayton, Ohio, and his job in Dayton is just to make sure these people with these exotic animals keep them under control. And they don't get loose and, you know, they have the, the proper cages and, and stuff like that. And he's constantly, like, fighting against the city and the state on the laws with this. So it follows him around. But it also follows around this guy who has exotic pets of this guy in Ohio who has lions. Like, literally, he this guy who got a back injury 
Um, somebody brought him like lion cubs while he had a back injury and was going to be in a bed for like two years. So some guy brought him lion cubs to cheer him up and was like, <laughs> you should take care of these and you know, it'll keep you busy or something. So he, he basically raises these lions from cubs all the way until they're full grown lions. And so it's just guy who has a male and female lion <laughs> in his backyard <laughs> and it's his, you know, he's built a kind of a makeshift cage for him. We need to get Corey some lions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and so it's about his, this, you know, patrol officer struggle with this guy with these lions to, you know, keep him safe. And, you know, he's trying to take him away and everything. And, you know, it follows around to some other people too, as well, but it also shows like the black markets places that these animals are sold off. You know, there's these auctions in like random podunk towns in the middle of nowhere that people go and they bring all these, you can get, you know, a hundred different kinds of venomous snake from Africa and, and just crazy, you know, primates and stuff. And it's just a really, really interesting documentary about these people that keep these pets and their motivations for keeping them and stuff. And if nothing else, just uh, the story about the guy and the lions alone is an incredible story and definitely, definitely worth a, a recommend. And I will warn you, it's quite graphic. Sometimes there's, I guess, borderline animal abuse, depending on your definition of animal abuse. Non-intentional animal abuse. Yeah, I know it is, Richard. That's why you're not allowed within 400 yards of a pet store. Right. But it is crazy, uh, a crazy, crazy documentary. And you guys definitely need to check it out. I would suggest the listeners do it as well. The Elephant in the Living Room is what it's called. I don't know the director, but I'm going to give him props wherever he is for, for making this documentary. It's, it's on, in the same vein as Blackfish. I don't know if you saw Blackfish. Yeah. Last year, about SeaWorld, um, it, that that kind of had a little campaign towards the the best documentary conversation um, at the Oscars. And uh, man, this this documentary is just gnarly. I, I can't can't stop thinking about it since I saw it. So uh, check it out. The Elephant in the Living Room is my recommend. And so, guys, let me ask you, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton. Kent, where might I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can contact our show on our website at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. You can also find all of our weekly recommends on there and our episode archive on there as well. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Talking on a dream. Talking